Hey, great story listener. Welcome behind the scenes for a moment. Um, some things about this episode that you need to know. Um, ironically, this episode we're talking about scrupulosity, which is a subset of OCD. And this particular episode drove my OCD, uh, what little I have, nuts. Um, so not only was it our second time recording uh, a week later to try to get this final product, but in the middle of recording, uh, poor Ryan, who is in this episode, poor Ryan Waters, his his mic, for whatever reason, started doing the static thing intermittently. Um, so, yeah, you'll have to deal with with that throughout the episode. I try to make it sound as good as possible um, for the recording quality. But, yes, there will be a little bit of static when you hear Ryan. I almost didn't put the episode out because of that, but then I talked to Amber um, and Amber was like, no, the content, we walked through it, it's it's good, and we need to put it out. So we're just going to have to ask the listeners to forgive that part. Also, in the middle of it, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's a part where I just disappear uh, randomly, I'm gone. Um, and that is because during the recording time, when we got towards the end, the entirety of my block went dark um and it didn't just go just like the power went down and back on we were without power for probably close to six to seven hours that day from then on so um yeah there i i just disappear and they finish out the episode so there's that part too um so this kind of just evolved into the storyline of like adventures and odyssey for a moment um but you know the content is really really good uh, just fair warning, there are some potentially triggering parts of the episode uh, where we talk about uh, a scrupulosity in its form, what it might look like uh, as someone is going through that. So that's a warning as well. But welcome behind the scenes and uh, I hope you enjoy the episode. Here we go. Welcome to Grace Story Podcast. We're here to connect you with education, resources, and community that equip you for the journey of restoration. My name is Nate Davison, and I am your host here at Great Story Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this episode. This episode, we're going to be talking about scrupulosity. Uh, no, that is not uh, some type of Danish you're going to get at uh, Buskin Bakery or Dunkin' Donuts. Um, it is a big word, uh, but we're going to define that and, and walk through it. To talk about this topic, uh, I have a couple of guests with us, uh, some favorites on the show. Amber Jones is the president and founder of Grace Story Ministries. And then Ryan Waters is our content strategy director here at Grace Story. Uh, guys, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It's great to be here. Now, Amber is battling a somewhat of a cold. So if you see her duck off screen or you hear a loud sneeze, uh, just keep on moving and, and everything will be fine. But um, so I'll take this, all the God bless you's I can get. Yeah, bring them on. <laughs> put them in the comments. So uh, <laughs> the the topic of scrupulosity um, with this, it's something that uh, is not really talked about that much, first of all, at least in the church, which is ironic because that's the place it probably should be talked about the most. Um, I bet it's a lot more common than people give it credit for probably talked more in in therapy sessions behind closed doors or maybe a friend to a friend sharing how they're feeling about uh, their faith walk their faith journey or maybe in seminary somewhere uh, under underneath you know a vocab list of things you should probably look up later 
But um, I, I'm all about definitions and having that even playing ground of where we're coming from, what we're talking about. So I'm going to kick it over to Ryan. Uh, he is the licensed counselor in the group to kind of give us a base definition. Ryan, if you could, where should we be all looking at as a definition? What should we know as a definition of what scrupulosity is as a working uh, definition? So I'm going to be pulling this from the International OCD Foundation, which they have a great fact sheet on their website. It's iocdf.org. If you'd like to pull it up, maybe we can even put this in the show notes. Uh, but they def- define scrupulosity as a subset of OCD. They say it's a form of obsessive compulsive disorder involving religious or moral obsessions. Scrupulous individuals are overly concerned that something they thought or did might be a sin or other violation of religious or moral doctrine. So this is the person who is very fearful and they live with uh, obsessions, which is a, a clinical term where you can't escape a thought pattern until you engage in some kind of alleviating activity. So again, this is more than just, uh, I have a sensitive conscience. This is someone who can't get out of that feedback loop of obsessions. I think that's really important though, to make the difference, like what you just said, Ryan, um, between like, what is the difference between scruples and principles, right? Because we hear that word scruples, we don't use it a lot, but scruples Mm -hmm. comes from a place of anxiety. And even if you take that back to, I mean, I'm homeschooling mom and I love English. Um, If you take that back to Latin, it means like rough pebble and figuratively that means anxiety. So you're already all the way back to the origin of that word. This is something that's based in fear. Whereas principled Mm -hmm. living, we're talking about the moral foundation that we're acting out of for our life. Our life belief is not just principled living is not just religious living it's um it's our our ethic our principles that we're really just living our life out of and as a christian um those are biblically based principles well it seems like i as i'm listening to this if i'm just getting introduced to this topic the the i think it's philippians where it says to work out your (laughs) salvation with fear and trembling it's like oh scrupulosity we nailed it I am scared all the time. I, I'm trembling and I'm working out my <laughs> salvation. This is this right. is scriptural, right? So I guess uh, I'd throw it back over to Ryan on that. What what maybe is that? Because you, you alluded to it just a little bit with the anxiety, the functioning. What is the difference maybe between that working out your salvation and fear and trembling and somebody with obsessive compulsive disorder um, especially the obsessive or unwanted thoughts that keep penetrating. What, what's the difference there? So that's a big question. And I'll probably start by pulling in another word that's sometimes used in scripture, and that's the idea of living circumspectly, which is this idea of you walk around, you look carefully at where you're going, and you live with intentionality. That's very different than that more fearful I, if I don't do this, something terrible will happen to me right now. Uh, and so that that sense of something terrible will happen, even if I can't put a name to it, is a component that's common in almost all forms of OCD. But particularly, as we're talking about here with scrupulosity, that can show up like taking 100 chips to the altar or, or maybe someone from a Catholic faith going to confession uh, excessively. 
repeatedly seeking reassurance. Sometimes I'll, I'll lovingly say, you know, someone becomes their dealer for okayness. <laughs> like I have to go to you. You have to tell me that I'm okay. And then I'll be okay for maybe an hour or two. And then something will come back. And that's where things move from that. I'm just trying to live carefully into that. Oh, there's something deeper going on here. I can't be okay because I'm living with something that always sucks me back into that, that feedback loop. It, it sounds like you're almost li- like living life where God always has his finger on the smite button uh, of your life. Where like it's <laughs> yes. just any moment, yeah. any twitch, anything I do wrong, boom, lightning, thunder, eternal damnation for me. That, that sounds terrible. Well, and if you take that a step farther, um, it's also a distrust of yourself because over time, you know, we learn to not have this, this innate trust, which could sound really anti-biblical to trust yourself and your own sure. ideas, but just on, as we would in everyday life, like, you know, I trust myself to, to drive a car. Um, just so some of those basic senses of, I trust myself to turn off the oven. I trust myself to be able to make a decision and, and read scripture and decipher what God is speaking. So there's, there's this distance, this distrust of self. And then when you take that into a faith community, um, especially in some of the faith communities where um, control and the pastor being the voice of God and the only voice of God in your life, then has been, um, undermining this ability to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit in our life. So we don't trust ourselves, and we don't trust ourselves to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. So we really are setting ourselves up for this in a way that um, can exacerbate the problem where you're saying, wow, I don't trust me. I'm not sure I trust God. Now, who can I trust? And and it sets up a really fearful environment. Well, sure, if you're even trying to not lean on your own understanding, um, but you don't even right. know that. Well, I'm listening for something. Am I hearing the wrong voice? Am I? Am I? Oh, no, that's that might be uh, someone from the kingdom of darkness talking to me. Now, I can see how this can lead down yeah. a road, <laughs> especially with the intrusive thoughts of the obsession. Uh, Ryan, can you paint us a picture of what it might look like? Because you, you rattled off some of those uh, uh, symptoms, rather. Uh, maybe what it looks like in an everyday life for scrupulosity to be a part of your your Christian walk. Like, how do you, can you function? Are there different levels of scrupulosity? It can definitely be worse in severity. And the further down the severity spectrum you go, the more debilitating it can become. So common ones that I hear, uh, I'm afraid that I'm going to hell, or I'm afraid that I've committed the impardonable sin, or I'm afraid, yeah. afraid that I've committed a sin, and that, or maybe I've committed blasphemy, something like that. And when you dig into it, all right, so can you pull up any memories of times where maybe you came close to that? No, I just wonder if maybe something happened and I, and I forgot, or maybe I just didn't record it on my memory, or... It's not based in reality or based in fact. It's based in that unknown fear that they carry with them on their back. Yeah. And if, I mean, if you dive down into some practical application here um, of scenario play, if you're struggling here and you're sitting in a service where 
um, an evangelist or your local lead pastor or whatever is using some of those, um, you know, well-worn tactics of if you are feeling the guilt right now, if you are feeling and it's based in feeling, if you're feeling that maybe you have some sin in your life and you are and you are tempted to leave this building, um, then, you know, you're walking away from God. Whereas someone who knows that you struggle here may need that practical self-care of walking out of the building. And yet it, it just plays into it again, like, okay, but I'm not sure I trust myself. Like, what if God was trying to tell me something in this service? This is my last chance. And even this example right here may be triggering to someone who's listening to it Mm -hmm. because you have lived this. And I will tell you, I understand that Mm -hmm. because when I had to start beginning to set some healthy boundaries around my hell trauma that I brought into adulthood with me, um, I would hear the chapter in Luke be announced and I had the chapter memorized and I just would look at my husband and he'd say, all right, here's the keys. Mm -hmm. And I would go and spend time with God in the car for that service because I knew the rich man, the poor man, you know, um, and and all of that. And that just triggered me to a point where it was not about drawing closer to God. It was about truly being so afraid that I would miss it. Um, when we are when we are acting out of an obedient heart. So when our premise is obedience and longing to please God, we are looking towards God. We are not turned away from him. If we have, if we are turning away, then there isn't that part of us who is longing to please, um, living towards that place. So, um, but sometimes because of the filters we carry, sometimes the baggage that we've been given, we can um, mistranslate those feelings of guilt or the negativity that we carry, and um, and we that tends to highlight then this feeling base for decision making of how am I needing to grow in my walk with God? Is there something I need to uncover? Um, and this is what I would really hope our listeners will um, maybe identify because this was this was new to me as I was trying to research through and listening to different um people talk about this subject but if I start focusing down on what I need to do um how I can better earn salvation how I can better confess more sins how I can better pray more times you know this is this is focused downward, right? Where scripture calls us to an upward focus on the things of Christ right. and the positive things of the kingdom. And this is not easy. I totally understand. Like, this is not just like, well, today I'm going to get up and exercise my mind in this way. But in yet it is a choice. And we're going to talk about tools here in just a minute as we close this, this, um, this first conversation on this topic out. But because I'm sure we'll come back in some form to scrupulosity and just the religious fear based that we, you know, some of that that we have, but just that we, we turn that perspective. I do think it's important. Some of the things you talked about, I do think it is important to understand that you don't reject God by accident. Like when, when there's, uh, 
not to bash on on sermons and and people delivering uh, the gospel message, but when it's like just come down here just in case you're rejecting God, or come down here and you don't want to miss it, uh, and and you have a you have an earnest heart, but you might miss it. Like no, you don't miss God and His love and and His grace. You don't reject that by accident. That is a purposeful, willful act. So if you have a heart that's questioning, like. I want to please God. Oh, am I doing anything wrong? Like you're already in the right spot of coming closer to God and being in his, his care, his love, his protection. So I think that's really important. Um, and then um, with that too, that I, I wanted to ask Ryan this question because it's, it's kind of, it would be weird, but is it possible to be uh, in, in a, a scrupulous mode and be unaware of it? Yeah, frequently. Um, and I would probably say that most people live in that state for a long time before they have a name to put to what they're experiencing. Um, it, For most people, especially I should say, if they grew up in an environment where a similar form of that, even if it's not OCD, a similar form of that is not only accepted but lauded, uh, that hyper-conscientiousness, it could very easily fly under the radar for for some time so short answer yes and part of this too and if i can just go on a little bit of a tangent here about the non-ocd form of that hyper religiosity that's not necessarily the technical term but just for the sake of this conversation that's what we'll call it uh while i don't have ocd i do think i am and will probably always be recovering from an aspect of that other form. I remember sitting, um, actually I was in Mark Craven's office, for those of you that know Mark Craven's, and saying, I'm just, you know, I don't know if I'm doing everything right. Is God really pleased with me? And him looking at me and saying, you know, if one of my kids ran out into the street, you know, I would let them know. And I would do everything I can to pull them back to safety. Mm-hmm. If I, as a dad, do that for my kids, surely the Father, the Heavenly Father, does that for us. Or even hearing in John 10, my sheep hear my voice and know it. Okay, so apparently it's the shepherd's job to speak loud enough for his sheep to hear. It's not like I have to live my life listening for that pin drop just so I don't miss something and then wondering if I miss something. Like, well, no. If we really believe that God is a gracious father who desperately wants to be in a whole healthy relationship with us, then that shifts the level of trust and faith that we have and our ability to live in in fellowship with him. So faulty understandings of who God is, I think is one of the ways that you can really bring some relief into people's lives. Now, I'm not saying with clinical OCD that that's the only resolution because there's a lot of neurobiology going on too. So often a combination of cognitive behavior therapy or uh, exposure response prevention protocol, uh, which is a technical term uh, for forms of uh, techniques of dealing dealing with OCD. Those things can be very helpful. Um, but for the, the person who maybe just has a hypersensitivity, like, like me in that situation, 
understanding and being able to rest in who God is can be an important step. I don't think for a minute that for those of you listening and you're like, oh, either you, you, you knew there was some level of scrupulosity in your life or you're like, well, this explains some things. Um, I don't think for a minute that this episode is going to be like, you're going to get to the end of it and like, oh, I'm, I'm better now. I, I listened to that episode and I'm better. Like, no, this, this is either uh, a stepping stone in your journey, uh, uh, another milestone as you work through some things or the start of a journey. Um, but also as I'm listening, you talk about or the reminder of uh, we are referred to as sheep. Sometimes I really appreciate that that Christ refers to Christ followers as sheep because sheep are really dumb. They, they are dumb <laughs> and they are. So like it, it gives me a little bit of wiggle room to make mistakes. And can I tell you as a farmer, <laughs> like our goats are out here and I know the goats are the bad ones in the Bible, but um, they're also very stubborn. Mm. Um, and Sometimes when they're, we're trying to get them to go back in their pen where they will be safe, um, they they really just don't get it. Like they just get scared and scatter. Though there's so many analogies there for sheep, oh, yeah. probably its own podcast. Yeah, it would, <laughs> sure. that, I'm really glad that those traits would never be represented in this conversation, <laughs> right? By no. any of us, well, by any. But that's why but... we lead, right? Like oh, we lead yeah. because yeah. we are perfect. Yeah, we, well, absolutely. Just kidding. We've never struggled. Just, with just don't this. talk to my wife about that. She <laughs> no. <laughs> no. In fact, with Grace Story, we say in um, so so often that we lead from the front because if we're not the ones leaning into the process, if we're not the ones um, doing the work and, and doing hard things, it's really hard to call other people to lean into that. And so we, this is, this is stuff that we're living out to you guys, not just um, having perfected. It's some of this awareness that we have where you're like, wow, they just seem to have so much knowledge on this. Well, some of it is because we worked our own journeys in these areas well, a lot of it is uh hey we were talking the other day Ooh, we should do that on yeah. a podcast we're talking about scrupulosity right. uh with this so yeah. we, we brought up a little bit of the sermon and we we've, we've defined what scrupulosity is we've talked about what a person might look like living a scrupulous life amber's given an example of herself uh being triggered by sermons and he mentioned one way of coping that is coping with that is to walk out which may be met with you, you, you might be in the next sermon illustration of, and I will so and so. Oh, I'm not. That could be triggering <laughs> in itself, but of someone that walked out. But understanding you, you're walking in your reality, and they're walking in a perception of your reality. That's very important to understand. But can we throw out uh, whoever has them some more of? So let's say someone is out there and like, yeah, I understand when I go places. For whatever reason I go there, the nostalgia, the the spiritual food that I receive, uh, the people that I meet, uh, the friends that are there. But I understand that there is a chance at certain events, gatherings, churches, what have you, where there is potential that I could be triggered uh, uh, by what is in a sermon or what is being brought forth um, from the pulpit. What do I do with that? And how do you speak to the scrupulosity triggering in a message. And I know I just opened up a whole can of worms for emails. It's <laughs> Nate at GraceStoryMinistries.com. I'd love to hear from you. Um, we love the hard conversations, but this is a reality. This is something that happens. That's why we talk a lot about pastors 
being trauma-informed and compassionate in their delivery while also being truthful and grace-filled. Um, so, And also understanding that our parents are our first pastors, sure. right? So this is not a target on on church leadership. This is just an opportunity to have this conversation um, that many, many, many of us are plagued by. And, um, and you can, you can be in a very healthy church, very healthy church and still have this issue that is going on in your mind because it's not just a trauma thing for some people it is, um, in other people, it is like Brian had said, you know, this is a diagnosable thing and being able to understand the difference. I think the danger is when we put the, whatever the reason the whatever the reason, when we put the whole solution in the spiritual box, that mm-hmm. we are whole people, we are spiritual, relational, emotional, physical beings, and that is represented through Jesus, even in his last prayer. And we've talked about that before. I mean, he sweat drops of blood. He was stressed, right? And yet he was also um, surrendering to submitting to God's will. So there, just go read that story with that in mind and to see this modeled in scripture, but when we make the whole solution about spiritual only, then we're missing out on the opportunity to walk in wholeness with the tools that God has provided to work through that behavioral health, the brain science behind this subject. And one more caveat before we throw out some of those coping mechanisms for being triggered uh, in, in a setting uh, pastors, are a great resource for individuals struggling yeah. with scrupulosity because they can, they're they, on my tool list. Yeah, they can, they can <laughs> de- define, okay, this is a sin. What you're talking about is not necessarily a sin or yeah. like what is it? Is there an unforgivable sin? The theology behind it and some, some level of counseling as well. There's pastoral counseling. So with this, let's say we're talking to somebody in the audience who understands they're going to some gathering church, what have you, where they understand there is potential to be triggered by a message for their scrupulosity. Uh, what what are some ways we talked about walking out? And that's a very brave step. I think a lot more people just hunker down and sit through it. Uh, what's some ways to deal with that? Is there prep involved? Maybe if I can just lay a little bit of groundwork first, what exactly do we mean by the word triggered? And that can be hot, one that's a very hot button word today. <laughs> and uh, some people... That's very common part of the vocabulary, and some people despise the term. So maybe we just define what we mean by that. When I use the word triggered, I tend to refer more to someone being put in a physiological state of fight, flight, or freeze based on a past experience. So something happens in the present that reminds them of a time or experience in which they were remarkably unsafe. And so their body responds to that to try and amp them up to try and get them ready for survival in some way. That's different than, hmm, I disagree with that. I don't like that. I'm a little uncomfortable with that. It's it's more about physiology, physiological survival. So that's the context that I'm using when I use the word trigger. I don't know. You guys are welcome to throw out an alternate definition or clarify how you're coming to this. That's fantastic. No, I that's think that's great. well said. And that, that would be what I was talking about even with my own situation. Um, cause yeah, there, I think that there is a definable, 
difference between actual physical trigger that feels almost paralyzing. Yeah. Um, and the goal is to try to um, know some of that, to, to know that about yourself. And that comes through some of that work that you can do um, in not avoid anxious situations, but avoid yeah. the ones that are needlessly triggering. Mm. So that's why, you know, you hear for me, I was like, okay, I know what this is. I know where this sends me. I know that mm-hmm. where this will send me for the next five days. If the title you know? of the sermon that night is in the program, hell and why you're going, you know, maybe skip that one. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. That one is well, not for me. <laughs> in, in terms of prep. Yes. I think there are some things you can do. One is, uh, like Amber said, kind of have an exit strategy. If you need to get out of that space, that's okay. Um, and for people who hear that and think, well, they're just encouraging people to to not hear the truth. Yeah. Yeah. We're not encouraging people to move into isolation where they just believe whatever they want to believe. We're all about community. But we're encouraging, all about yeah, community. these folks need to have those places where people know them deeply, know the whole experience, the whole story. And can speak to precisely where they're at. When you're at a a large gathering where someone's speaking and he can't, he or she can't by just the very nature of it, know everybody's story, they can't nuance it in a way that's that's helpful or appropriate at all at all times. So I think it is acceptable to encourage someone to say, you got to know how to take care of yourself here. That's part of what it means to be a functional adult is recognizing what environments are healthy for you and which ones aren't and having the ability. And I would say the courage to exit that environment if necessary is part of uh, part of a healthy uh, toolbox of coping skills. Uh, And, and it's not just leaving, um, to just go hang out in the lobby. No, no, yeah. So, yeah. so I would um, say that's an opportunity for you to reach out to one of the tools that we're going to talk about when we just kind of go through this a little bit, but is to have a spiritual mentor who understands that you've named it. Um, th- there's this understanding. This is not a band aid call, but this is a, Hey, um, I had to leave a service because I'm in this place. Would you pray with me? Um, Maybe you have a backup plan for, you know, in services where I have to leave here. This is an online service that I attend in my car instead. So you're not just giving space for silence. And then that allows those those intrusive thoughts to really actually have even a greater space in the silence and aloneness, that isolation that you've created by leaving a service. So part of the exit strategy, part of that prepping is say, if I leave, what do I do? I don't want to just go somewhere to be alone and cry and allow those intrusive thoughts to find root. Um, it's actually truly finding a way to care for yourself in that moment that is continued nurture, is continued learning, um, is a, just a substitution. It's not just skipping out on service to go Facebook. Sure. Well, so we have about 15 minutes left of this episode because we do have some time constraints on our recording. Um, so I want to get to some of the listener questions that came in and then get to those tools. Um, and, and that may be all we have time for. I think maybe we need to have another episode where we 
We talk about uh, identification of gaslighting from the pulpit. Um, maybe some of those uh, talking directly to uh, what is compassionate preaching, um, especially when both sides would say, well, like I am being compassionate when they need to know the truth. And we're going to talk about the bastions of hell now. Like that is compassionate preaching. Uh, I, I think that can be a, a, another episode. But what you're talking about that, that uh, those obsessive thoughts, the, the thoughts that, that are, you don't really control, they're coming in and you can do your best to keep them moving out, but they're, they're penetrating and they are constant. Uh, one listener sends in a question that says, how does one turn off the rumination and constant worry that they might have done something wrong and thus have sinned? Isn't it a sin to live with constant fear? Anybody? That's the, that's the million dollar question right. for really anyone with OCD. How do I turn these thoughts off? And the, I wish there was a one size fits all answer to that, but there's really not. And you need to have a really robust toolkit of things that can help you in those moments. Big picture, find a way to help your body move towards safety. Whether that's uh, a music, uh, sometimes people find a walk in the woods, something that helps you feel safe, again, is big picture, often very helpful. Uh, one tool that people have found helpful is to almost think of that thought as a bystander in a parade. So imagine that you're standing on the curb watching a parade go by. What OCD does is instead of just standing there watching one float after another, it sucks you into the parade and like you can't get out of it. Like you become the thought and you can't escape it. So if you can, and this doesn't always work, especially if you're really deep in that obsession, but if you can pull yourself back on that curb and say, this is a thought, this is not me. And instead of fighting it and saying, don't think about it, don't think about it, don't think about it, because really... It just amps up the the thinking about it, except that, that the thought is there. Not that it's good, not that you agree with it, not that you want to do it, but just accept that that is a part of your reality right now. That's that parade. And then you're going to watch it go by in front of you. Well, to address that last yeah. part too, where it says, isn't it a sin to live with constant fear? I, th I think there's a difference between so feeling fear can be a good, and, and people have heard this before, but it can be a good thing if you're in, in constant danger like you're living with fear that's that's going to happen it can keep you alive i think it's more when there is a fear-based uh behavior or action or some uh, situation that you you know there's going to be fear involved and you don't move towards god in that moment you don't move towards the grace that god has for you and it's not a it's a willing rejection of who god is and his power to overcome fear in your life Maybe that's more where the fear is involved. I don't know. What is your guys' thoughts on that? Because that's a direct question. Isn't it a sin to live with constant fear? One thing that um, I heard, actually a couple of priests, and I shared this podcast that I was listening to, to our Grace Story community group, the Facebook private group there. And so if you want to go there and look that up, it was, they had some really neat things to say on this subject. So we're not going to be able to cover everything today, but man, it really, really was um, quite helpful to me. So I shared that over there, but 
One of the things that they mentioned was surrendering to the overall understanding that we cannot possibly think of every sin or bad thought that we've ever committed, you know, um, and to instead reframe that as I'm going to do my very best and then I'm going to surrender everything else. And um, this allows for reliance on God's mercy, which he so freely gives um, and supplies for the places we cannot. Um, It really involves a lot of trust. So when, when, when we get to these, this idea of tools, you know, what tools, what are the practical things I can begin doing right now? Right. Um, One thing is name it. Mm -hmm. And I know that this helped my daughter um, who struggles with OCD um, pretty severely at times be able to say that's OCD. That's not me. Right. To be able Mm -hmm. to make that separate from herself. I am not what my thoughts make me would want me to believe about myself. Um, and, And so name it, take some of that power away. And then that's how we talk about it with her is, well, that's OCD. And remember, we're going to put that bully away for now, right? Like, and in some of these things, trust me, because we live with this, it can, it is so intrusive. And I know some mm-hmm. of you guys are in, in our listening audience are living with this with your children and it, and it can feel so powerless. Um, so name it, give it a name, talk about it, being able to take its power away. Second, having that safe, godly mentor that knows who this is and or knows the struggle that you have. So you're not you're not hiding it from even the spiritual people in your life. And again, I think some of this, I know my daughter struggles the most when things are chaotic and our house, you know, we're in a full remodel right now and it's flaring up in force. Well, routines are out. We're not eating super healthy food constantly. So understanding there's actually a lot of your physical at play. If you can exercise, if you can eat good food that nourishes your body, these things matter. Um, Don't put it all in the spiritual box. And then surrendering to this, this process, rediscovering, and we talk about God narrative all the time, but rediscovering who God is. Because if we're serving a God that we're scared of and we're scared of ourself and we're scared of our church and we're living so much out of fear, then it's going to be kind of hard to go to our pastor and say, you know, I have this, this thought cycle that plagues me all the time and I'm cursing in my head and I don't want to, but this is real. And maybe I've committed the unpardonable sin, even though I didn't even want this thought. I didn't know how to get it out, right? There is a difference between the thoughts in our mind and the temptations of our soul that then when we act on them. And that's a whole nother level of conversation we're not going to get into today. But um, that's where I would say starting with these tools. Well, you can you can feel fear and still live out your identity in Christ and live in the power uh, that God brings into your life. And so we, man, we're almost out of time here. We got about 
six minutes uh, on our timer on this end because we like to keep these as uh, short as possible. So we are going to have another episode on this. We just have to because I have more listener questions to get to. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, man, I wish I would have had put in another uh, question for them to answer, send that to me, nate at graystoryministries.com. We'll put that in the next episode when we're able to get uh, uh, Ryan, Amber, and me together again to talk about this. But I want to read one more listener question that will kind of guide us into talking about some of those tools, maybe from both ends, uh, helping people with scrupulosity, and then also if you're experiencing scrupulosity yourself. Um, so this listener writes in and says, how can I best be a friend who has uh, to someone who has scrupulosity scrupulosity deeply ingrained in their being how can i help and not make things worse for them i try to remember not to ask questions very often i make statements in conversation instead i listen and respond talk to them in a way that leaves a specific response optional any other tips so maybe that is a as a bridge over to from both sides helping someone with scrupulosity who you have a relationship with and then also someone going through scrupulosity themselves couple things I would avoid would be overly simplistic solutions. You know, the, the well, just stop it. Just don't think about it. Yeah. Like, well, I, if that would have worked, I, I would have done that many, 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 many times ago. I'll just right. stop thinking. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, and help, and just having that, that heart of compassion that says this person that I care about deeply is stuck in a cycle that, their body and brains are playing a role in and they desperately want relief from. So approaching it for, and avoid the platitudes as well. Let go on that God, just trust brother, those kinds of things have more faith. They, they just don't work. And in fact, they do more harm than good. Um, the other thing, and this may seem counterintuitive, but if that person who's wrestling with scrupulosity has leaned on you to be their, like I said earlier, you're their dealer for okayness and they come to you every time. I think it actually does not serve them well in the long run because it just perpetuates the cycle. So encourage them to get the help that they need to talk to a therapist who's trained to in that uh, exposure response prevention that I talked about. Um, or even there, there are some medications that can be really helpful. Things like selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, SSRIs, which are uh, commonly used for antidepressants. Sometimes those have, can be tremendously helpful for people who are wrestling with OCD or scrupulosity and helping to quiet down those thoughts so that it becomes more manageable for them. Hey, so um, you may have noticed Nate just stepped away. Uh, his block lost power. And um, so we're going to, Nate or Ryan and I are going to finish this out. But um, it has been a good conversation today. And one of the things I was just going to jump in here as we're bringing this to a close is um, we have wrestled, many of us, whether you have OCD, scrupulosity, Many of us listening have wrestled with shame for so much of our life. And we've lived our lives proving that we belong here, apologizing for being here, romanticizing about what, how good our life will look if we just get the right fix, the right thing. Unfortunately, we live in a fallen, cursed world where 
I've been in this journey of processing, trauma processing. So like deep stuff, not talk therapy, like deep stuff for 12 years. And I'm still finding out new things. That is not to sound hopeless. The point here is that we serve a God who comes alongside and cares so much about healing our minds, healing our bodies, healing that relationship back to Genesis 1-1, the relationship that was lost with him in the garden. He cares about and he knows where you are and what you're dealing with. So as we close out today, our our verse with grace story that we're founded on is 1 Peter 5.10. says, in the God of all grace, after you've suffered a little while, and it can feel like this goes on and on and on, but it's a season. We are here to become more like Christ. And in the God of all grace, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. He is at work on your behalf. Um, I know what it's like to have a sleepless night crossing, turning with those thoughts that plague and you just wonder, am I tethered to anything that makes sense, anything that is real? Is there a God who actually sees and hears and understands what I'm going through? So when it looks like we are all together, um, shoot, that night was two nights ago before recording this, you know, and I was up till five in the morning. I finally fell asleep, but just terrified that maybe there was something that that I was missing in being able to connect feeling-wise with God. So this is something that we know, um, we have worked through, we understand that it is real. It is not just a definition or a diagnosis. This is how some of you are living your life. And we want you to know that we see you, we hear you. Um, we're going to come back and have some more conversation around this. Um, and Ryan, there's a prayer that we have um, talked about before. And if you wouldn't mind, just um, it's it's going to be read. But we just want to pray this over this intention um, over our audience today as we close out this conversation. This is a prayer by Thomas Merton, who was a Catholic monk at an abbey down in central Kentucky called the Abbey of Gethsemane. And he understood what scrupulosity was like. And he, he prayed this, My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all that I'm doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And that I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, will I trust you always, though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death. I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils. Well, I don't think that we could have ended that episode any better. Um, Amber and Ryan did a great job. They didn't need me at all. Uh, I I know as I listened back to that part because whew, I was gone, uh, listened to it. It was great. It was it was fantastic, and they did an excellent job 
uh, closing him out, closing out that episode. This is not the final uh, talk that we're going to have on scrupulosity. Um, we realize we have too much content in here to just let it go. Um, so we're going to come back and we're going to talk about that again. So if you missed a question that you want to bring into the conversation, uh, you can go ahead and send that to me, Nate at GreatStoryMinistries.com. We can keep it anonymous and we'll just put that in, plug it in. I'll post that to uh, uh, Ryan and Amber in the episode um, and uh, we'll have them answer that question uh, on the on the episode itself. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening in. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a follow, tap a five-star rating, and drop a review. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow there and hit the notification bell to never miss an episode. Like I say every time, there is no us without you. Uh, So uh, get engaged. uh, Continue on your journey of restoration. We'll see you in two weeks for another episode. And until then, we'll be praying for you.